Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Totally Arsenal Podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, Aiden. A bit of a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde week for Arsenal and Arsenal fans. Starting off against Brighton, not the greatest of games for us. Yeah, five changes to the squad that saw off Valencia. Leno, Monreal, Torreira, Vegetarian in while Lichtsteiner then came in for the suspended Maitland-Niles. Um, Arsenal started the game. Somewhat on the front foot with Mkhitaryan hitting the post. Uh, as the game now wore on at first, like you know, first few minutes, uh, Brighton then started getting into the game. I think as early as the sixth minute already, and it was almost like uh, the pretense to what was Arsenal going to play out because Bernardo was getting you know free reign on that left flank for Brighton, and I mean his partner up front, that Solly March, he was now also you know managing to get in and whipping crosses. Uh, in the eighth minute, I wouldn't say really against the run of play, but you know, with Arsenal now attacking, uh, yet uh, winger of uh, Brighton track back and of course stuck out the foot. And I think Monreal tripped over the Jan Bakash's uh, leg. But I mean, it seemed also a very soft penalty. What did you think? No, I thought it was a very soft penalty. I, I think that on another day, another ref would have. Um, played on or even could have, you know, given a booking because for simulation. I'm not saying he died purposely, yeah. but he was looking for the penalty. Uh, the Albach then stepped up and then slot only penalty 20 league goals for the season. It's been, it's been a while since we have a striker that's been eating that mark, eh? Yeah, so I mean, I, we missed that, but I thought now, you know, with that goal, we were now gonna, you know, carry. You know, with the momentum and that, but then it's not like things were starting going kind of patient because uh, Socrates on a run forward, I think 14th minute, he ended up <laughs> for diving. Which, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I mean, look, we always call out teams that you know do stuff like it or players that do that, but it, I mean, I found it really embarrassing. Our center, like you know, center back is supposed to be you know tough as nails, and you see him fall over like a piece of cooked linguine. There. Embarrassing. I, I don't condone diving. I mean, it's, it's something that I want ironed out of the game. And I'm like, as an Arsenal fan, disappointed to see that, you know, like you said, the rock of the defense yeah. is going over like that. Uh, 20th minute, Brighton now sort of growing confidence and became more, the, the match also became more end to end. You know, and <laughs> this is something that, you know, for entertainment or for neutral, they probably will say like it. But I mean, like us as Arsenal fans, you know, I find it nerve-wracking when it's, you know, it goes almost like a basketball game, then they attack, then we attack. Because I'm not, I actually want us to, even if it's not, you know, dominate for three quarters of a game or the whole match. But for me, especially a home game, I want us to totally dominate a match. You know, we, we make it life so difficult for our opponents. But it seems the more we, or like the longer the game wore on, we just seem to like back off and... Brighton just got more and more confident. And I mean, uh, any of that Chris Newton side, whether he was now at Brighton or before when he was at Newcastle, and that they always would give us a game. You know, yes. he knows already also how to play. And it's not like for him, it was like playing Arsenal under the Wenger era again. For so, me, what is disappointing is that Arsenal had all to play for, especially with Spurs dropping points the day before. And you had a Brighton team who had nothing to play for, but yet it was like Brighton were playing for top four and we were on holiday. And I mean, there were like certain errors, like, I mean, I jotted down also here. 
25th minute, Leonard had forced into a pressure clearance. Because Socrates did not pass the ball to him, he fired the ball at him. <laughs> and I mean, Leonard, I mean, as, as frustrating as it was, and sort of clearance, but I mean, what can he do? He's getting this ball fired at, at that speed. And, and I mean, look, the goal is right behind him. And there's still uh, players of Brighton doing the, the high press. So, I mean, he ended up just kicking the ball straight to one of the, the Brighton players who, of course, also lost their rag somewhat and, you know, tied over. So, you know, a big letter for Arsenal there. I think the 26th minute as well, Leno was called into action just after that clearance you're talking about. Yeah. We had to, he made a really good save to keep, like, you know, keep it at 1 0 still. Yeah, with Glenn Murray out jumping in the whole defense. <laughs> and I mean, you can see these things coming in, eh? like from the set pieces or, or, or crosses being whipped in. Um, you know, Mustafa then is at six minutes. He forces Matthew Ryan into a good save from a Xhaka corner. Um, 39th minute, Ozil then picks out Aubameyang and our striker. You know, fight hard and low with Ryan again pulling off a fantastic save to keep the ball out at the foot of the post. After I went one, uh, uh, you know, going in one up, I thought, you know, now second off, somehow, you know, shake out that cobweb from the system and, you know, start pressing forward. But, you know, anything but that second off. For all our attacking uh, prowess, we seem to, you know, be vulnerable with each Brighton attack. Suddenly, March did skinning Lichsteiner at will. I think, I don't know why Lichsteiner was, you know, playing in this game. They could have sorted something else. I don't know. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles was suspended. Yeah. But they could have rather than played Koscielny, knowing the... I know they're trying to wrap him in cotton wool a bit, kind of like City's doing with company. But it was a risk playing Lichsteiner. And I think it, it showed yeah, with him playing. At, at times, it's also like... Uh, uh, I mean, whether it's different podcasts I've listened to or, or pundits also as well, many of them have been saying, even why not play Mustafi? Because it looks like he's less of a, a problem or a slash calamity at the right back than, you know, the, the trouble he sometimes causes in our own defence, you know, playing in central uh, central defence. So, I mean, I think it was also a bit of a dodgy call by Emery there. Yeah, a lot of decisions now, the latter part of the season, was, you know, dodgy calls by Emre. You look at, you look back and I don't know, hindsight, but um, I think he could have done a lot of things differently, actually. Uh, in the 50th minute, then Leno had to pull off again some sort of double save, first clearing a, a corner and then with a rebound and coming back to, I think it was again, solid March. The guy was really a thorn in our side. We then had a you know, low drill shot at the Arsenal keeper who first parried the ball but then gathered at the second attempt. Grounds were now becoming loud and clear at the Emirates. And the, the performance, it was almost like uh, it had also a domino effect with you know from the performance also to the crowd because everything was getting flat. I mean, the crowd were not... Uh, it's also another thing where, you know, the thing that you and I have been talking about sometimes with the crowd where they don't keep it. I don't, I don't know if it's another the sort of Arsenal fans attending matches or whatever, but it's like when you listen to, I mean, I was watching a bit of the, the, the Frankfurt game also um, on, on Thursday evening. And I mean, I've been watching now all the Champions League games. And whether it's home fans or away fans, the fans keep singing, they keep that, you know, you can feel that, that, that bass beat that's going through, you know, whether it's drumming or singing or whatever. But for me, it's like you have that five-minute wave of singing and then you have that ten minutes of silence. And you have again a bit of a, a few Arsenal chants and then silence. And I don't know 
because sometimes I've also heard like your friends that have attended now the matches at the Emirates where you get sometimes told to not sing so much if somebody's complaining. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, what are you there for? I mean, it, yeah. it's a lead club. You still have to have the, 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 the you know, the, almost like the, what you would say, the, the middle class guys, you know, having a, a sing and a, and a laugh and, you know, banter and whatever. But you can't have, where people are going to get almost like offended by everything in the ground at the moment. And that is why that's killing the atmosphere. If you look at Liverpool, the Champions League game on Tuesday night, that fans, I know it's a Champions League tie, but that fans, like I had goosebumps listening to them, actually, the way they were singing and how they were just getting behind the team. It was putting a very good Barcelona team under pressure. And I don't think at the Emirates, we, the, the fans don't really get on top of the, the away team as well to make them more under pressure. And I think it, it, it works also, you know, both ways where, Look, how many times leading up to all these games now, especially now the latter part of the season, where you hear people like, uh, uh, say, Mkhitaryan or Socrates or Jacques or Ozil, and they're going like, you know, the crowd must get behind them, or even Emery. I mean, look, the crowd can also at times, look, I'm not like, condoning sometimes our, our fan base there, but at times also, they are not also making doing themselves any favours with certain errors they're making or certain things that they do in the game, because they're also part of the problem. Because they are not giving no, that real buzz to the, the, the you know, they're, they're giving you that electric feel to it. I think sometimes we don't have that kind of player, you know, like, uh, I don't want to go back to Sanchez, but remember how Sanchez could get the crowd up because you would take one on, take two on, and maybe, you know, uh, whooping across for a goal attempt, which kind of like gets the crowd rowing again. Just like we go into a lull, which kind of then translates to the fans, and then the, the ground becomes a bit of a library. Yeah. Um, then 59 minutes, we lose the ball on the edge of the box. A few pointers I will discuss after this little bit that I'm going to talk about. Uh, Brighton, then on a quick counter, allows uh, Solly March free reign on the left flank. He bursts on the left flank. Mkhitaryan, Lichsteiner, and of course, caught high up the field. So, of course, you can forget about you know any sort of recovery, really. Xhaka then seemingly just jogs towards March, who is heading like a, like a speedster. Down the flank, he starts heading towards the box, and in that time, it's already, you know, he's getting already, uh, almost you would say, like goal side of Xhaka. And Xhaka and him collide. I mean, it looked very clumsy. It looked very, uh, I think, maybe of that sort of tracking back. It was like really, uh, I mean, I found it also very clumsy because even if, if look, Anthony Taylor, somebody also as a ref, he's going to give any, like, you know, any sort of weird contact, even. Just a brush against the shoulder, whatever, and you throw yourself to the ground, he's going to give the penalty. We, I mean, we've seen it so many times already down the years. I mean, I find him actually, uh, result aside, I find him a, a terrible ref. I mean, I don't know how he can even have that FIFA badge on his, on his top. Uh, that being said, Solly March goes down, penalty for Brighton. Glenn Murray steps up, sends Leno wrong way, 1 1. I wish Arsenal keepers could save more penalties, actually. Like, I can't. I may, maybe you can correct me, but I can't remember when last the Arsenal keeper saved the penalty. Probably the Troy Dini against yeah. Peter Cech last season, but they're always going past us. Oh, yeah. So, so oh, yeah. Back to that point, yes, Andrew. Like the point is, you know, when Arsenal started the attack, why didn't Mkhitaryan shoot? Because I thought to myself, as he started running towards the, the box, they went us on the back off him. Because, you know, they were also playing a very 
uh, laid-back type of performance or like just a, a counter-attacking game. But, I mean, they were allowing him to now go at them. And I thought to myself, you know, go for it. They have a pop-up goal. But you see, the, the problem also is Mkhitaryan as a player, he has no confidence in himself. So instead of taking an initiative and and having a pop-up goal, he decides to offload a pass beside him. And that layoff, I mean, I must also say it was half-assed because instead of giving it our full pass into Lichstein, he gives it so under it, the ball ends up falling short and getting intercepted and played out to Solly March. So that was now the one point on the way. Second point on the way was when Solly March started attacking down the left flank with Lichstein high upfield. Eh? So while none of the, the midfielders like Mesut Ozil like something to amp him, like, you know, run towards and just try to block some, or not to yeah. him really, but just start to slow him down. There was nothing on that thing. Then, when they showed a, a aerial view, kind of, of, of the, the um, or towards our goal, it showed Torreira and Xhaka running down the middle of the field towards our goal. None of them are making the run, you know, to start making that angle tighter for, for Solly March. So, I mean, he had all the time to think to, to himself, I'm going to run down here, None of them are attacking me. Okay, I'm going to start veering towards their box and start cutting in. Because I thought to myself, if they had not one, you know, say one had gone towards our box and one was trying to close him down, that would have been over enough to hamper him, like, you know, his uh, threat to go forward. So this is the thing where I'm saying, like, nobody does that sort of grafting work. And that is what's costing us over and over and over. And it's like, you know, it's really frustrating because you see these errors, you know, rearing its head every game, every game. And it's like, there's not really a game where you can say, oh, yeah, we, we dominated because it takes one long ball and we're totally out of it. And and we also need to learn to do more tactical fouls, you know, like you mentioned. Even if Uzel picks up a yellow card just for like, uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but just like yeah. tripping Salimar just to get, just to slow the game down and get everybody back. But my thing is also, you need to also assess the game as it is. So, if you were seeing that Brighton were coming at you, don't everybody also push up and leave gaps everywhere? You need to think more tactically and be more disciplined like, in yep. certain aspects of a game. Like they do, like that, that you know, remember you and I were talking about sometimes it's something that Socrates does where, he, you know, the guy like maybe beats him, but instead of doing it like, you know, just like, like a clumsy little, you know, heap, like a heap, like a bang with a heap on the shoulder. What does he do? He puts his arms around the guy's waist or the guy's uh, <laughs> shoulders. That's so blatant, so you're not going to get away with it. And then you look at, you know, flip side. If Jaka, like, Jaka, if Jaka had to just um, do that foul what he does outside of the box, you know, those type of innocent little fouls that you can see looks like it's a mistake. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just like to go back to somebody like, you know, Busquets, he is one of, I mean, let's face it, he's one of the, probably the deadliest defensive midfielders you can get, and yet he never gets yellow cards, because why? He's He knows how to do, like, like how to play the system. He will, like, you know, he'll run across your legs, you know, like when you're sprinting, he runs across, he knows he's going to trip you, but then he, like, makes like, oops, you know, we stumble into each other, or he'll, you know, like, also like when he draws free kicks on people, he knows if, he needs to just hold, you know, with his back towards the player. He knows he's going to get the whack from behind or something like that. And he knows then he's going to get the free kick. And that is why you have somebody like him that's rated. I mean, he's sometimes he's not the flashiest player, but he knows how to, you know, take the stingles out of a game. And we don't have that. We will rather play ourselves till we guess. And then we, you know, it ends up biting us on the backside. 
I think that's definitely something we need to look for in the summer. Just someone who can manage a game. You know, you need that because it's because the defensive midfield is almost like your quarterback at times, you know, dictating how the game is going from back to front. I think at times it just needs someone just to, you know, relax the game, just so Arsenal can catch their breath. Because like you mentioned, like we're going at 100 miles per hour, like a basketball match, and then eventually we run out of steam. And I mean, how many times didn't we see, also, like we mentioned a few times, where you can see Emery is actually telling him, calm down, like he's gesturing, you know, calm down. And it's like they are, you know, it's like they, they ignore everything he's probably told them. And that's, I think that is where... Emery also gets the sympathy from, you know, these ex-footballers that are on TV now where they say, you know, you can see Emery knows what he wants to do, but it's like these players just do not react to what he actually wants, you know, done. I think they're stuck in the Arsene Wenger way still, you know, where Arsene Wenger would sit on his hands and just watch as this game is going past his team, where Emery is trying to, like, you know, I like how he just gesture, like, do this, do that, you know, calm down, you know, he's, try- he's trying to get through to the players, but... I'm not sure if these guys are used to having on-field instructions yeah. given to them. Then, I mean, look, the atmosphere, of course, was now, you know, dying a, a slow death after the equaliser. And, you know, the chances were now coming so in fits and starts. But, again, it was a sort of game where you just didn't know where we're going to, you know, really get the goal. Um, if anything, we looked more likely to lose the game. Because every time the ball was breaking towards Brighton, I think the latter part, parts of the game... They were almost like one pass away from, you know, killing us off. Because we were now, of course, sacrificing all our players, you know, going forward, trying to push for the winner. And, you know, we were leaving ourselves really exposed. So it was like, you know, it was like last-ditch tackles were getting us out of what could have been a catastrophe at home. You know, see, also adding to the, the fact that this was also the farewell Emirates game for Peter Cech and Aaron Ramsey and Danny Welbeck. I just want to bring something like to the attention that Arsenal had 16 corners against Brighton, 16 corners, and it seemed like none of them were going to almost trouble the opposition. So I think that's definitely something I don't know if we need to work on more in the in the in the preseason coming up or in the summer. But I mean, you can't have 16 corners and not at least convert one of them. And I mean, with, with that result against Brighton, it also. You know, just about guaranteed us missing out on the top four now through the, you know, the Premier League. Um, I think the only mathematical way of it now is like, you know, Spurs losing by four at home to Everton and Arsenal winning by four away. But I mean, I'm not holding my breath to like to that. And I mean, if you take the, the stats also into consideration with our last four matches, one point out of 12, it's just not good enough. Yeah, and, you know, if you even think about it this way, just because we conceded like nine goals almost back to back in the three games that kind of you know you said in the previous podcast maybe it could come down to goal difference and because of us conceding that that also threw us out i mean if we had lost maybe one nil one nil one nil like you know you don't want to lose but i mean if we had to lose by lesser margins i mean uh, we still could have been in a chance because i mean if you think of Look at that game against Leicester City and you look at the game against Wolves. The like, one was scored, I think, 45th minute at the Wolves game and that Vardy scored another one in the 90th minute in that uh, game that we called off also. So, I mean, you know, goal, th- moments like this also kills that whole vibe of, you know, chasing that top four. So, I mean... And I thought that, yeah, they would have been up for it. I thought they would have been up for it. I mean... They've been given chance after chance after yeah. chance after chance. And like we're going to go 
casting the Valencia game, how it went. If that Arsenal side can show up like that in the in Europe, why can't they do it in the Premier League? Yeah, so pull a wrap on the Brighton game. We got switch out team now to the Valencia game. Um, Arsenal needed to get out of this domestic rut, and on Thursday night, the second leg uh, semi final, we were now trying to, you know, right the wrongs from the past week and a half. Uh, Emery made two changes from the first leg. Uh, Torreira and Monreal started. Quindouzi and Mustafi dropped to the bench. Um, Arsenal then went with a 3-4-1-2 formation, uh, which in a way, I think in the first 20-25 minutes, it was kind of causing a lot of problems for us because with that sort of formation, it was now allowing Maitland-Niles and um, Kolasinac to also now go forward. But the thing is, uh, Valencia almost like started to pick up that the, the recovery of Maitland Niles was very slow. So all the attacks were really coming from that left flank, our right side. Because I don't know how many times I counted in that game, especially like the first 15 minutes. He, Maitland Niles was, he kept on getting caught high upfield. And I was thinking to myself, if we don't change something here, we are going to be, you know, a goal down. And I mean, I, I don't think even my words were cold. Then I think it was something like 11 minutes. Uh, uh, Rodrigo managed to now, you know, when they now uh, blasted their way down the, the left flank. Maitland Niles was suddenly, I think, at the edge of the boxes. We were already uh, watching, I think it was Gaia starting to run towards the Arsenal box and play in Rodrigo. Who then, of course, gets into the Arsenal box, plays the ball across the six yard box, and uh, Monreal totally, I don't know if it was now, you know, the, the state of his career at the moment, where he, he just seems slow to react for every little thing. So he don't even pick up that Gamero is right behind him. And um, he allows the ball to go across his body and Gamero, Gamero then just slides him to knock the ball in one over Lencia. On the I night. was fuming at that point. I, I honestly thought this Arsenal team is going to lose the game. I kid you not. I was just saying in my, like, I was shouting out to the TV, these guys are spineless. They, they're not you know, showing any fight because the way the game started, Valencia was all over us and Arsenal looked like they were still in the changing room. But I must say credit to Arsenal, you know, they they did they showed character that we that everybody was asking for. In the fourteenth minute, uh Metal Niles then gets dragged out of position by Valencia passing, which I mean you could also see that was also the game plan because they knew they wanted to get us out of position and you could see Emery probably had them, you know, trained to a degree of you know, stay in your position, don't get you know sucked in by the little tricks of it. But you know, sometimes someone like with that problem that I told you of Mustafi, they when teams start knocking the ball about, they, they all of a sudden they lose their rag and they just one of them will just gun gun out and, and break the line. And this time it was Maitland Niles who then of course goes forward. And in that time it goes forward, uh, that Guedes then just eats the ball over and tees up Rodrigo, his goalbun effort in eats Camera. And I mean you could see that ball was heading in. And I mean it just hit his own player and you know it was again a letter for Arsenal. Then on 17 minutes, Arsenal then go old school route one. Check it's a long ball. Aubameyang then gets the first flick on, which causes confusion between Gabriel and uh, Karai. Laka then wins the second ball with another flick on, and this, this flick on then heads into Aubameyang's path, who's already sprinting goalwards. Aubameyang then controls the ball with his chest, and as the ball just about drops, he lets fire with the outside of his foot. 1 1 Arsenal, game on. It reminded me of a little show pony, the way he was almost like in the air jumping over the hurdles, the way he jumped like that, that finish of his, there was no back lift. 
Oh, but there's a top class finish. That was cop, yeah. Was, you see, was that, you know, just with that, that you think it was the outside of the foot, that ball was just fading past Neto the whole time, even though he was, you know, going full stretch at the ball. Um, the Messiah then went flat. You know, they were also new now, the permutations with regards to the goal. Because Arsenal now went 4 2 up on aggregate with a score, we're now standing at 1 1. Um, Arsenal started to take the tempo and sting out of the game. Because you can see now Arsenal's on the play kind of for the half time whistle. You know, something that we've been also talking about what they should be doing, you know, I just mentioned earlier, what we should be doing in the Premier League, that sort of thing we, you know, need. So, you know, you can see Valencia now, <coughs> excuse me, Valencia were also now getting desperate. Uh, Parejo then came close with a curler because I think it was a ball again that we somehow lost, you know, in midfield. So I thought to myself, you know, let's see this out to halftime and don't give, you know, silly balls away, which we, I mean, they were doing at times because sometimes Xhaka was, you know, getting caught on the ball. Ozil was just sometimes, you know, drifting in and out of things. So, I mean, it's not really much of a help when you need to see out something. So, um, Lacazette then also had, on 40 minutes, a shot of his, you know, kissed the outside of the post of the gate work by Aubameyang. I thought to myself, if that had gone in, we would have probably, that place would have been probably a graveyard in going into <laughs> time. But, but credit to Arsenal taking it to half-time, you know, at one all. I mean, the way the game started, the way the fans were, I mean, the stadium was rocking. And I mean, for Arsenal to have kept their head and not lose their rag, I think we need to actually give credit to that. I mean, a lot of times we we um, have a go at them for not, you know, stepping up to the plate. But, you know, first half in the game, I think they really showed and did themselves really well. You know, often I was just thinking to myself, OK, we now got the powder dry to a degree now. We're not stepping off. Why are we going to not go about it? So... In my mindset, I was thinking, okay, we're going to probably expect a massive, massive Valencia onslaught. And, you know, second half commences and, you know, I'm kind of bracing for it. And then you just see 50th minute, Aubameyang pushes Valencia's uh, left-back Kaya into an error. Uh, then that not being enough, Aubameyang still sticks out a leg and somehow manages to get a pass to the onrushing Torreira, who then picks out Lacazette, who is surrounded by two defenders. The French only dances past both and fires past Neto, 2-1 Arsenal, 5-1 aggregate. I think I felt safe at that point, tie over, but I just want to commend as well. I know I've been going on about Aubameyang week in, week out, not, you know, giving the proper work rate, but I don't know if you saw in this game how he was chasing down, tracking players down, closing down, tracking back. You know, there's one time we actually put his head down and sprinted back to try to win the ball back. And it just shows, like, what Aubameyang can cause in the game if he gets involved for yeah. the full 90 minutes. Because I think he was also one part of it that was was kind of stemming the tide um, uh, midway in the in the first half. Because you remember what I said with, with, with uh, Maitland-Niles always getting caught out and that after a while you could see he was actually acting as a, uh, like a right-wing player or right-midfield player just to add an extra body down that flank to you know make it somewhat difficult. Because I mean, look, he was getting involved even in tackles like any even 50 50s he was getting stuck yeah. so it was almost like protecting maitland niles also now because it's almost like a boat his confidence also going into the second half and as we did see the second half with with uh maitland niles yeah maitland niles like grew into stature in the game and i mean you know if if arsenal ever need someone you know who can be a reserve kind of winger guy i think they should maybe Give Maitland Niles a go at that position because he, his his final ball's not too bad, yeah. and he's and he's and he knows how to take on a player as well. 
Um, 58 minutes, Valencia then pull another goal back. Camero scoring quite a scrappy goal. 2-2 on the night, 5-3 on, on aggregate for Arsenal. What was your take on that uh, goal? Uh, it was a typical Arsenal goal to concede. It was uh, I was disgusted by the defending and how that the ball could get tangled between his feet still and yeah. and I think Arsenal just switched off. You know, that's a typical Arsenal when they score a lot of games, they concede quite shortly after they score Liverpool. I mean we played Liverpool, so like I think something similar happened there where they thought, ah, is done, we scored it's two one, we can crest on our laurels. And I think that that goal actually angered Arsenal and switched them on for the rest of the, the remainder of the game. I think it also brought a quicker reaction to the last few games from Emery as well because you started seeing also that they were starting to get a bit more ball, playing a bit more in the middle of the park and getting, you know, uh, uh, amounts, like, you know, position going forward. And, that, you know, that's where I fully agreed with his decision to take Ozil in off. And bringing Katarian on in the 60, 62nd minute. On 69 minutes, uh, Maitland Niles now started venturing more forward in space and Valencia allowed him, you know, to. Because uh, I think Valencia were now also with that chasing the three goals that they needed also at the time. Needed also now more or left more space for him. And I mean, Maitland Niles and Hammers in a low cross on the right. Alba then nips in at the near post and pokes at the ball up. 3-2 Arsenal, 6-3 on, on aggregate. I think it was a brilliant piece of work from Maitland now. You know, we, we we cried out for a winger to kind of, you know, do that for us. But that there's a right wing back. Mm-hmm. He did a fantastic job to beat the player and then get down and cross it over for Aubameyang to slide in. And I think Aubameyang showed his class and quality in this game. Yeah, And then 71 minutes. Mustafi then came on for Kolasinac, who was, you know, really struggling with cramps. <laughs> Look, he did, uh, like, especially when we started taking control of the game more, middle of the first half, uh, to about, probably, yeah, middle of the second half, he was doing a hell of a lot of running, whether it was going forward or somehow doubling up to help Montreal at the back. Uh, also, not trying to take the, the pace out of the game to recoup, because they were, you know, running with Lens, also ragged in little bursts, like, you know, like little five-minute bursts that would now, you know, really have a go with him and then sit back. Uh, Arsenal then made the final change in the 80th minute when Guendouzi came on for Torreira, who probably ran his socks off for the majority of that, that second half. Uh, change, you know, the change also of Erzlan to add was, it also seemed to bring a, a new breath of life to Arsenal, you know, having that fresh legs on, having somebody now actually willing to run and attack. And I think, with us now in that sort of advantage, as you said, we could now breathe a bit easy. It also allowed Mkhitaryan to go more, you know, being more adventurous. Whereas I think even if the scores were, you know, deadlocked at some, you know, at a, at a you know, a really tight game, I don't think you would have probably seen Mkhitaryan go all the way like that, you know, being so that positive. Um, 88 minutes, the perfect ending to the tie. Obama then runs onto a Mkhitaryan pass and just leathers it into the roof of the net with. Like what a hat-trick goal. 4-2 to on the night, 7-3 on aggregate, and into the final versus Chelsea. Baku, here we come. Together to Baku. So, uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, you know, I know we're going to discuss it still, but in my opinion, I would have preferred uh, to get the Frankfurt side than uh, Chelsea side. But a lot, somebody, I think, I don't know if it was you, uh, that uh, told me in a private message 
the fact that you know Frankfurt still has about two games in the in the Bundesliga, so their tempo is still going to be quite high. So the fact that we're playing Chelsea, we're both going to be done in the off season, and it's all going to be about who manages their their team the best leading up to the Europa League final. I mean, I don't know if you read that article where uh, Sari is actually annoyed with the Chelsea port for allowing a. Uh, look, they've got a one preseason game a week after the season ends in the Premier League, so they have to travel to uh, what's a new it's a New England Revolution to play a one uh, like a one-off match there, which I find in a way weird. Uh, so uh, they're gonna be having like one game in between the last game of the season and the Europa League final, and I, th- I don't think he's too happy with it. like you know having because it almost like puts a span in the works with their planning and. You also don't know what sort of players that they're going to have to take over also there. I just hope, I know that sounds bad, but I hope, you know, the the outside maybe, you know, picks up a, a slight strain that rules him out for the final. No, but like for me, my <clears throat> my personal opinion is we've got this far to, you know, take you on because I just think if you're going to shy away from, you know, this team or that team, you're almost like going to set yourself up for failure. So, my thing was, you know, whoever we face, I can handle it. Whether it was Napoli, I didn't feel nervous. Valencia, I didn't feel nervous. And I mean, now with Chelsea, I don't feel nervous. And I mean, I watched now the majority of that game against uh, Frankfurt the other day. And I mean, Chelsea rode their luck going into that, that uh, penalty shootout because I think they had about two uh, clear in, in extra time alone. Frankfurt had about two or three chances cleared off the line. And I mean, they've, they like if I can give up percentage-wise, they were like 70-30 dominating that uh, extra time. And it's just like Chelsea were riding their luck on counters. So, yeah, yeah it, uh, they can be, they, they can be got it. I mean, I just think, just be a, uh, <clears throat> that uh, maybe the defensive training must be way more focused leading into the the final. You know, no, nothing reckless or, or people that, also with, with regards to midfield, you're going to need everybody to, stand up and be counted. You can't then have, you know, a luxury player or somebody that's just going to be jogging around when graft is needed. Because as much as I say, yeah, we can beat Chelsea, I just think in the middle of the park, they also have, look, uh, Kante is also now a race, you know, so like a race for time with, with regards to him being fit. I mean, it's a serious doubt because, look, he did have some, I don't know if they said, it could be knee ligament damage, I'm not 100% sure. But that being said, that midfield can be gotten, but you, you're going to have to have, you know, grafters going toe-to-toe with him. The same way we did it at the Emirates, where we beat him 2-0. I would just say that with Adam Ramsey, we used him as a guy to just mark um, Jorginho out to kind of nullify the Saudi ball. So, I know he's, Jorginho is one of the weak links, even though they uh, be, believe that he's the guy that dictates everything. So, you know, we need to close him down and, you know, maybe we can bring the Europa League home. Yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for it. Um, I switch, we switch our attention to the Burnley game tomorrow, our last game of the season. Uh, I don't know how. <laughs> you know, the, the, the feeling is quite weird. Like It's like you go from that high from the Valencia game. And <laughs> you have to now think like, oh, must we now get this game over the line? Because, I mean, you don't, also don't know. Do we now go full, you know, we put, just the backup players in or, you know, do we give it the right go and see if we can 
uh, you know, get like the four goals and see if Everton can do something against Spurs. But I mean, I don't know because look, Spurs going into that last game, they're also going to be kind of hamstrung with uh, people like Son and and uh, that Foyth and and, and other, some other guys that they had like little niggles now. Because I think I don't know if I, I saw right because after that that game with Spurs beat Ajax, they said uh, Vertonghen left on crutches also. So I mean, I don't know how that's gonna. Play, play out for, for tomorrow afternoon. And Son and, 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 and is, is suspended as well because yeah. of the red card he picked up against Bournemouth. So they definitely won't be there. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, I, I, I don't think there will be an eight goal swing, in my opinion. Yeah. I just think, you know, maybe get the, the youngsters involved, you know, yeah. get them on the pitch and maybe the. I would maybe also give, you know, Peter Check, you know, one more send off. In the Premier League as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think anything goes really coming out in those things because you also don't know the mindset of everybody. Like, do Spurs players, uh, you know, are thinking of the final already, or are Everton's minds already on holiday, or are they going to still try to push for? Because I think they could also get the Europa League spot if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I think Everton. No, I think they they still have opportunity. Yes, with also Wolves playing Liverpool, so you know Wolves might give it the right go as well. I just uh, think tomorrow, as a as a neutral and as an Arsenal fan, even I think a lot of eyes is going to be going to Anfield and the Amex Stadium with Brighton and City as well. Yeah, um, like with with regard to Burnley now, uh, basically three key players this season has been Ashley Westwood in midfield. Dwight, uh, yeah, Dwight McNeil. He's, I think, attacking mid for them, and Tarkovsky, who's a defender. So you know they've been now uh, getting almost like decent stats going into performance-wise, performance rate. And then we get that Barnes guy that will always be a. Yeah, but, uh, that's a he's now the top goal scorer of eleven, and I mean, we all know he's going to put his body about whoever's going to play at the back for us. So you know it's going to be kind of a headache because didn't he also was it last season? That penultimate game, something like that, we ended up getting center for just, oh, I don't know, two seasons ago. We he ended up smashing somebody with an elbow. You know, yes, yes, he, he, he has that type of uh, temperament to him as well. So, you know, we don't want any injuries going into going to Baku as well. So, you know, I don't think it's worth the uh, risk putting uh, our, our, our top men in. One well, thing I also want to mention, um, I think with regards to. Our player fitness, and I think anybody suffering from or that or that had the cramps or strains going into that or after that game, I think I don't think Emery will, you know, risk any stuff like strains or muscular problems. So they will probably get the pass for the Burnley game, you know, to rest up. It's a bit disappointing that we've gotten to this part of the stage of the season in the league where the last game of the season means nothing. You know, I wish, my yeah. um, wish for next season that. I know even if I'm not saying we're going to challenge for the title, but my wish for next season is that, you know, take it to the last two games where Arsenal are just in the thick of things, you know, if they could win the league or in third, but, you know, not like four or five points of the eventual title winners. I just hope that we can get to that stage next season. So before we end off the podcast, um, I just want to bring up a few things. Uh, with regards to the upcoming shows, we're still going to do a review of the Burnley game, um, and then also preview the Europa League final because I think also with the coming days, also after the season, you can also hear which players are, you know, with a question mark with fitness or who 
<coughs> who actually now beat the clock to get fit for the final. Uh, then we're also going to do a separate show, probably could be even maybe. Uh, I mean, uh, like I was still discussing with you, Aiden. So either we do it like after the Europa League final or something like that, where we do a show with regards to player ratings, highlights, lowlights of the season, and maybe different like you know targets that we could uh, that want to go for, and as well as players that we could see also exit besides the three that we mentioned in the start of the podcast. Yeah, I think that that will definitely be good, and I think you know it will give the, the the list as well a nice overview, and they can as well you know as we're doing that, they can think through their season as well, and also mention theirs you know while listening to the podcast actually as well. So I wish you guys all a fantastic weekend. I hope the result goes also positive, even if it's a dead rubber tomorrow. I hope it goes well for us. I hope you guys enjoy it. Bye. Enjoy, guys, and I'll be rooting for City to take the Premier League title as well.